Hey guys, the goal with The Ultimate Shift has always been to help as many people as possible. So I'm so excited to announce something we are about to start and do for a limited time. We want to invest $500 into your dream, your passion, or your idea. How that works is this way. For every person who shares any episode of the podcast to your social media, writes out a review for the podcast, share that to your social media, can be through your story or via post, tag me at Ephraim Glick in it, as well as take a screenshot of both, DM it to me, and we will enter your name into the drawing. For the best written review or the best idea once a month, we will pick a winner, bring you on the show, talk about your dream, your passion, your idea, and invest that $500 into you. Again, this is for a limited time. We don't know how long we're going to do this, but it's just something we want to start as of now. It's just our way of giving back and saying we appreciate you so much and all your support for this show. Best of luck and thank you so much. No, I, I just think what needs to get broken down with, with colorism and things is the stigma that's around colorism. I want someone to know that I'm black. I'm proud to be black. Like I'm proud to be mixed. Like I love that. We have power in that. I don't want someone to be like, I don't see color. Like, no, no, no. It's the stigma around stigma. what you think about when you see color is the issue. Welcome, everyone, to The Ultimate Shift. Join Ephraim Glick and leading figures in business and entertainment as they share their stories of regular people overcoming tremendous obstacles only to achieve happiness, success, and fulfillment. Are you ready to make the ultimate shift in your life? Welcome back to The Ultimate Shift. Today, we're going to do something a little different. So we have Derek Phillips, AJ Thomas, Cisco Carter, myself, and we're going to discuss kind of what's going on in the world around us. So um, yeah, it's not really going to be as much questions, just kind of everyone's intake on it and see how we can grow from this thing that we're all face to face with and how we can get better as uh, humans. So yeah, somebody take it away. I kind of want to know like everyone's stories as far as like, for me as a, as a, as a white boy, I guess I, I could say I've spent two weeks studying this topic and I've been humbled. I've, I've cried. I've been blown away. Uh, there's a book called They Can't Kill Us All. Um, that's broke my heart three or four times over uh, a couple different movies. And so I can't relate to a lot of these things. Um, and I guess everyone is entitled to their own way of thinking, but that, that still deny racism in a sense. And, and I can't see how anyone can, if you actually study this stuff and you actually take the time to look into it, can, can say that. Uh, so there's a couple different things I want to discuss. One is kind of overcoming the whole objection thing. So for example, like, uh, I want to know, like, what you guys think, how you guys feel. If let's say black lives matter, then someone comes at you and it's like, well, don't all lives matter. And I think there's, there's a big part of that that's missing. For me, it was never that would just black lives matter, but it's like, you're missing the whole point. So I'd like to discuss how can we break that thought pattern in our generation? Uh, how do we get better instead of keeping- Well, I think we'll, sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead. Before you get past that, I think we start with situations like this. So you name this the ultimate shift, correct? Yes. Well, I feel like the ultimate shift is happening in society currently with yeah. people's mindsets and just the way people are um, not accepting the norm. Essentially, right. for a while, people we got so complacent and we got so comfortable with the day to day and just how things were that 
we just let it be essentially. But over the last three, four months, and unfortunately it took that long, but fortunately it's happening. We were having the ultimate shift where the new generation um, is challenging the whole way of thinking essentially. Yeah. So platforms like this really helps to push that new narrative. Like this is the way it's gonna be and we're not gonna accept anything else. It's been a problem over the years is that we've not accepted it, but just like, okay, we've been fighting, but nothing's happened, so this is just how it is. Like, that's not acceptable anymore. So I feel like that's where we're at. So I think we're in one of the biggest civil rights movements ever, yeah. maybe, and, and you know, yeah. next to uh, Martin Luther King. But like, how do we go from whatever it is and not let that die, but to basically take that and not just be that, well, you know, two years ago we protested this, and now we're back at it. Like, is there a way that we can take this from what we've learned and all the protesting and all the and still stuff to this day? And so we're that never going to go quick. back. Let me take that real quick. So, for me, back in the day, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, whoever it may be, there were individuals that were leading the cause. And when those individuals die, things happen. Sometimes the cause dies with those people. So for me, it's having everybody included. So the cause can never die. White people, black people, Asian people. There's, there's no one leader. I don't think there should ever be one leader of anything. Because yeah. if that person gets in trouble for something, that's what the whole movement is based around now. That person, what that person did. But if everybody's involved in it, everybody's pushing it, I feel like it's different. What y'all feel is different? Right. And to add on to that, like we say a movement. Now, when we look back a couple of years ago, that was a moment. And what we're saying is now this moment is a movement. We are actively every day having conversations, looking on Facebook, Instagram, talking amongst each other and where it actually is a conversation. Back then, it wasn't really a conversation. It might see a post here and there, but you can't scroll 10 times without seeing someone on a story or on their actual feed, not saying one thing about it, whether it's for or against at least that conversation, at least those people are acknowledging like these people are really fighting. And I think since we are all brothers, including you, but like you took a couple weeks to educate yourself, which to me, like that's more than a lot of people have. But when we're born, we're starting to be educated. So all of us are 20 plus years into, I mean, understanding like what's right, what's wrong, how to treat other people, knowing that like, we're not exactly like everyone else. So we, we might feel like we have a chip on our shoulder, but it doesn't necessarily mean like we're starting behind ourselves. We just know that like, look, what neighborhood you're born in, what school system you go to. I mean, it's up to you when, once you show up to give it your all. And now we're showing up and we're giving it our all. Like people have been tired before. And that's when you lean forward. Like when you put your hands on your hip, you take one more step, you're still making a step towards progress. And, you know, a saying, I can't breathe. Well, we all can breathe. We're able to talk. We're able to use our breath. And so we're probably not going to stop. And I told people, I was like, you know, you might have thought just because people were posting a black square that this was like a big day. But like, there's going to be another wave every single day. You're going to see another thing. You're going to see another conversation. And I'm, I'm really glad we get to have these conversations. I mean, that's the best part about America is freedom of speech. But when we're not having these conversations, nothing can be done without action is nothing. Yeah. I think kind of going off of that, uh, really how to sustain all this, I believe is 
kind of taking a moment in time that kind of kick-started everything with George Floyd. That was a moment and we turned that into a movement. And then now it's trying to figure out how to take that movement and turn that into, I don't want to say a tradition, but a movement into a, a, a way of life. Uh, and it's trying to find how we transition into that. And we've all been doing this every day. Like, there's no choice. You wake up, you breathe it, you live it, you see it, you drive it, like everything. Like, this is our way of life. Um, there's no options. There's no, like, turning that on or off. So I think it's, 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 trying, to, it's trying to invite people in to see what's really going on, break down their egos a little bit. And their, their defensiveness of like, like, well, you know, I don't think like that, so it can't be true. Yeah. It's trying to break that down and taking now what has become a movement and making that a way of life for everybody. So from what I've read and watched and studied the past couple of weeks, I can never relate to being pulled over and fearing for your life. Mm-hmm. And there's there's dudes that got killed. And, and it, this is the part that, that gets me every time is. For example, this kid a couple years ago uh, got shot reaching in his car, talking to the girl that was with him. Orlando Castillo, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. Yeah. So, I, you know, people think, well, the kid got shot. It's not that the kid got shot. The kid's dead. He can never again speak for himself. He can't fight that fight anymore. Like, I cried about that. I was like, it's not that George Floyd got killed. He got killed. But, like, you have to understand the finality of that is like he never again gets to speak and I feel like people often are like so-and-so got killed about it but it's like you don't understand that's someone's kid that's someone's dad that's someone's person I may not know him but it's someone and and the way I I kind of relate to that is what if that was my brother well what if that was my brother and for us that's a systematic thing like that is a systematic mindset Kind of, um, you have to live with that. Tricking that we've had over the years. The news, it portrays African-Americans a certain way, whether it shows us killing each other, whether the media, whether movies are showing us as drug dealers, um, absentee fathers, whether music is displaying us in a way that is like very negative. So that mindset not only translates to the white community, it makes them sometimes less empathetic because they see all of that. They don't see the soft side of us. They don't see the family. Men. They don't see all that. And then the black people also get that mindset ingrained in them so that we're walking around thinking that's who we are with thugs. We're supposed to have guns. We're supposed to sell drugs. We're supposed right. to do this because that's what you've been seeing since a child. That's how you get your respect. That's how you earn your respect. And for me, it's showing these young cats like, nah, that's how you yeah. go to jail. Like, that's not how you get your respect. You get your respect by raising your family being so it's the images that we see of ourselves and there's images that not even just white people but every other race sees of us and that creates the narrative for who we are so not until you meet me or cisco Mm -hmm. or aj and now you're like oh brothers are cool you know what i mean like i get that a lot you know what i mean and i don't even get it them saying it i just get it by just the the energy and it's like i'm cool i'm I'm okay being the the person that kind of breaks the ice essentially but i feel like we just got to open our hearts more and don't worry about what's on the media focus who these individuals are you know like you get that black boy exactly you got to respect human life like that's the one thing where he's talking like systematic things. I think as police officers that do see uh, social media and grew up uh, with with the same uh, things that he was talking about in movies and in all the things that he said, cops were kids too. So they saw all those things going on as well. And the guy up top has also been out in the streets and like are policing 
these neighborhoods more often than they're policing maybe people that look like them because they're told that these are the problem areas, yeah. these are mm-hmm. the problem people, these are the people that are uh, deviants of, of the system. So then you get these kids that grow up and then their parents or their authority figures are teaching them these ways as well. Then they get the badge and then all of a sudden they're in a situation where it's like, oh, I know exactly what this dude is because I've mm-hmm. seen it on TV, I've heard it on the mm-hmm. news, I've heard it in music, mm-hmm. and now they're in a position where they feel threatened when it's not a not threatening even. situation at all. Mm-hmm. That heightens everything, and if you as a police officer heighten a situation with a black man, woman, family, whatever, you're already in a defensive mode because you know that this might be the last time that you see your family, man. this might be the last time you talk, breathe, anything. For me, it's happened to me before, and I like tense up, and I'm like, "Hey, like, relax. Like, th- it's not what you think." But you can't even always convey that. But you can't do it. The stereotype is so ingrained that every brother is same kind of. Right. I've had these thoughts. I want your opinions on this. The one thing I thought about is let's take the projects mm-hmm. or the low-income housing or whatever. White, black, whatever, if you're there, you're going to have a little bit more of a struggle getting out of, of that environment or that mindset mentality, maybe. It doesn't mean you can't, but like, is this part of the solution, I think, should start with local government, whether it's your mayor, to say, for instance, and I'll try not to get too vocal about this, but we just have a mayor who just put a billion dollars to two new police helicopters. Mm-hmm. Why not take that billion dollars and put it in the project? Why not put better street lights and why not put better They're housing in? Why not? They don't want that. I personally think you have to remove all the career politicians before anything's going to change. Am I wrong in that? Or is there another solution? Is there another way that we can do this without the politicians? Because they haven't worked. Neither side of the party, in my observation, has has worked in helping this matter. So is there a way to get around the politicians? Well, I don't feel like there's ever a way to get around government and politicians. But I feel like there are strategies that you don't have to wait on them, essentially. Like, I mean... What does that look like? So, I was telling Cisco earlier, um, CityFit, my company, we're currently working on a project where we're going... And I don't like to say projects because I don't know if you know the term project was created because it was supposed to be a social project for the communities implemented in the 60s and 70s to kind of have black people in this one displaced location. And long story short, we'll get Almost, like, almost like the Indian and, territory. Yes, exactly, really yeah, exactly. Like and the Chinese uh, and the West yeah. Coast. And a lot of people that live in the project were actually middle class in the beginning, essentially. And then all the people, white people lived in the cities during that time. And that's when they migrated out to the suburbs and it left the African-American population stuck in the cities, essentially. Mm-hmm. The kind of saw a lot of businesses left and what's the suburb yeah, that yeah, they may have been. Take the leftovers, basically. Yeah, and now they're coming back. So yeah. now they're just placing the reason, the reason was <laughs> right. that is because white Americans thought that when black families moved into their neighborhood, it would lose um, value. more value. value. So they would leave. Yep. And that's why a lot of downtown, like, I mean, we can look, you can see we're it. downtown right now and we can see low income housing yep. just over the highway. Absolutely. You can see it. And so, they're displacing them now, though, because right. white people want to come back to the yeah, city. Yeah. It's, it's becoming it's more appealing. Yeah. It's like, okay, so pushing now they got to push them to Antioch. They got to push them yeah. to yep. these different places because this is where the projects work. So, yeah. yeah, it's. And then with the helicopters and everything. So, if we look at adding more value to the police, it looks good because that's kind of against the fight, but they're also bringing in a large sum of money for the city. Um, but politicians, when they have more money, they can at run more campaigns, they can disperse it how they would like. 
But when you're adding streetlights to an area that they really don't even want, why would we bring more value and put more money into this area that we basically want to sell already? Right. And, and okay, I see what you're saying. It's not make that yep. better. It's like, let's leave that and let's go to the better where we have more opportunity. Yeah, and, it, and it's looked at right now as an investment. So if I buy these helicopters, it looks good because we're putting more money in our police force. We can patrol, but we can also honker down, get more money from this. Those those helicopters will buy back themselves in a year or two. Wow. That's good to know, though. I, I was always thinking, like, how can you make that that better? Yeah. Let's let's build up some areas that may need some work, make them look like the rest. But that's an interesting take that I would have never had known had we not had this talk. It's like, no, let's get them out of there. Let's give them better chances. Yeah. So all three of you guys have made it, if you will, in, in some way or another. Uh, I know you made it in the sense of African-Americans, right? Well, in general, and that how we're looking at but, but no, 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 I'm saying, uh, well, OK, yeah, yeah. In that. In, yeah, in that because regard, if it was a white guy, he may uh, look at my life and be like, shit, I ain't Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. talking about black people, we like, yeah, yeah, y'all made it, you know what I mean? Yeah, right. Well, Sorry, okay, I'm just so, trying to mix it up a little bit. No, 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 yeah, no, yeah. I like it, I like yeah. it, but, uh, and thanks for clarifying. Yeah. I know your story, like, you grew up in Chicago, and you got out of there, like, as a yeah. kid, I remember you telling me. Yeah, yeah. Right. I just remember, yeah, I remember you telling me, like, you didn't know if your mom was coming home, so I guess in, from that sense, and you're right, like, uh, let's just go with with like as a black man you guys have have made it to downtown nashville or whatever that means you have all built friendships with brothers of all colors um and you have respect here i know a lot of people who have a lot of respect for every one of you guys and you can go out and you have all these relationships and friendships what would you guys advise someone that may be stuck in a place they don't want to be as color do you guys have stepping stones that you can get out of that and like, okay, let's let's go chase our dreams, let's whatever it takes? I mean, for me, so just to clarify, I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, very high crime, like super impoverished area. Um, and then moved to Winnebago, which is a much more rural, white, uh, safer, quote unquote, safer place. Uh, and that's why we moved from Rockford there. And then I went to Chicago for college. And then from Chicago, really, I was coaching for Robert Morris University. And most of our athletes were from the South Side. And I started going into their communities and kind of like learning more about all the propaganda around the South Side of Chicago. And uh, I just started realizing what was really going on. And it's kind of the crabs in the bucket thing. Like, and if you guys don't know what that is, basically, if you put a bunch of crabs in the bucket and one tries to get out, all the rest of them are going to try to hold on to them and bring them back in. So that kind of what's happening in the projects is if one leaves, if somebody leaves the projects, most people in the projects are either going to disown them or are going to try to bring them back and use every resource they got to keep their own in their own space. Uh, when I started to see that and I tried to educate uh, the athletes and, and those guys are some of my best friends, I had to like instill that like no fear mentality in them that, hey, like just because you are here now and you're 20 years old or 21 and your best friend or your brother just got murdered last week for no reason in broad daylight at noon, like just because you live that right now doesn't mean you have to 
settle for that forever. And there are opportunities. And now with social media and all this stuff, you start, you're starting to see all these other areas of the country that you can go to. So it's just kind of like instilling that, hey, you don't have to stay here. Just because you're born here, you've grown up here, your entire family's here, you don't have to make money here. You can, or you can go make money somewhere else and then pour those resources back into the projects or back into your family, your communities, and try to build that up and like be an advocate for your community. That's what I tried to do. And that's why I left, was to try to come here, start a life on my own, really like get into the music scene, really start to figure out what's going on and then bring all that knowledge and, and whether that's funding or whatever that is and bring that back to those communities mm -hmm. and then educate that's really what it is, it's all education. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> giving them opportunity, what you're exactly. kind of doing with your, your yeah, 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 yeah. idea too. Yeah, I think he hit it like right on. I think the education aspect is key. And I'm a visual learner. Like I I learned by the, like looking, being able to see it. Like people can tell me stuff all day and it's like, okay, okay, that's great. So seeing images of African American men that aren't just like you don't Young cats like that, that he's saying, like, I play college sports as well. Like, they don't want to see guys in suits. So, like, that's no, not motivating. No, that's not what they push it for. So, they want to oh. see guys that look like AJ, guys that look like Cisco, guys that look like me that they got a little swag to them, essentially. Um, and then showing them that you don't have to be a basketball star, essentially. You can be an accountant. You can be a fucking music producer. You can be, a, like, whatever you want to be. Look at this person. He looks just like you. Yeah. He's able to do it. And then really pushing that narrative and spreading it now. Yeah. Like, just spreading that narrative so that young brothers can see people that look like them that aren't just hooping and playing football, essentially. And exactly. Sorry about that, but I hooped and play football. So, so did I. So, for me, so that's what I. I saw. Like, I'm going to exactly. the league. If I didn't, I had to redefine who I was. And a lot of athletes come out of school yeah. as self-defined by sports, essentially. So, it took me two, three, four years to redefine myself. Like, okay, I'm not just an athlete. What do I love to do? What do I like to do? And there needs to be a process of it, especially yeah. for young black athletes. When they really? leave that stage, like, okay, let me help you find who you are, because that's not who you are. Are you a networker? You may be good at sales. You may be good at this. So I feel like sh visually showing them, whether it's TV, social media, music, these are other avenues for you. And then also starting to work into the community. And I have some more detail um, things that we're going to do, but I don't have to go too deep. Yeah, well, no, I mean, anything that can help. Like, yeah. at the end of this, I want to have solutions that we yeah, can, exactly. we can right. move forward. So one solution, what I'm trying to do currently is we're going to be putting laptops into low-income communities, essentially, so Fire. that they can get constant access to information, health and wellness. Health and wellness is lacking in the black community. So there's things like diabetes, heart disease, things like that. On purpose. On, on purpose. purpose. I can see juice bars, juice bars in um, healthy restaurants in those communities. You're going to see Chinese stores. You're going to see corner stores. You're going to see um, Wendy's, Burger Kings. And that's creating just bad health for African-Americans. So we come in with an online platform that's giving them information about healthy foods. Here's some healthy workouts you can do. Talking to Cisco about um, providing financial information. So helping them with financial literacy wow. because a lot of parents um, just didn't have that information growing up. Dads are out of the household, moms are working. Who's telling yeah. the kid how to save? Who's telling the yeah. kid about um, opportunity zones? Who's telling, like all these different things that we don't get told that we need that information. So, so that's the way we get them. How can we contribute to that? Do you have a yeah. platform where people well, can donate to? Well, that's what we're currently in. Fortunately, it took this situation to make me start this. For sure. So it's well, still taking us. To help. That's what I said, unfortunately, but fortunately. Yeah. Right. yeah. 
but yeah, we definitely gonna tap in. Y'all hear that? He said yeah. he donated some laptops. To this show. <laughs> I would donate some laptops. Let's go. The Lakers just did it. Yeah, the Lakers yeah. just did it in LA. Yeah. They like put together this whole initiative to put uh, iPads in like yeah. every single household or trying to wow. in the LA area. It's All crazy. Right, we, we we have a special guest, Tommy Wofford. Pull up a chair. Tommy Wofford. <laughs> <laughs> Tommy Wofford is an Atlanta guy. He has. Tommy don't look black. Tommy, come on. Just run up me while we go. Yes, sir. What's up, bro? Oh, I'm sure. I did that to Cisco, so you got me back. Seriously, you are dead. Tommy is an entrepreneur in Atlanta. He has flipped multiple companies from nothing to multi millions. He's very passionate about helping the African American community in Atlanta. And you can dive into that at some point. To catch you up, he is telling us how a program he's going to start giving laptops into these communities. Oh, yeah. Gives these kids some education. Yeah, I don't even think it's, it's help. Like, that word seems, I'm really big on, like, wording. And the help word makes it seem like the black people did something wrong. And there's, then we're, like, super below. It's like, yeah, we just want what we owe. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Like, You want the, the same opportunities cool. as everybody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, like, we don't need help. We just want fairness. We yeah. want equality. Therefore, we can then create our own help within our own, essentially. So the help makes us look like we just begging for stuff. Like, nah, we ain't begging for nothing. Right. We're good. We just want to make sure everything's fair, you know? Right. For me, I look at it. So I grew up in rural South Carolina. Yeah. I grew up like one of two kids in my town, and I went to a school that was 98% black. Yeah. And then, so like, I grew up like with the literal like descendants of sharecroppers. But I was real fortunate. Because I had, like, my first sleepover was a black sleepover. Like, the only white kid there. Yeah. All my friends were black. I was hadn't been back in 30 years. And a month ago, I went back for a festival with my mom and dad. And yeah. saw my best friend from middle school. And, like, oh, immediately, like, connected again. And, like, yeah. it was, like, nothing had changed. I was real fortunate to grow up in a household where my mom and dad taught me early. Like, we talk about being anti-racist, right? Not yeah, just yeah. race neutral. Like, their parents grew up in a generation where it was okay to be openly racist. Right. And then my parents grew up in a generation where you had to be a closeted racist. Mm. And then I grew up in the generation you could be race neutral. I don't see color. That that yeah, bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. But like, so my kids get to finally grow up in a generation that's anti-racist. Absolutely. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah. yeah. But I was very fortunate that my parents taught me like nobody else around me was. And so then like I had this weird experience where in like eighth grade, I got moved to a private school for a few years. And it was an all white school and I got beat up all the time yeah. for being black. Yeah. Like how idiotic is your, or, is or, your, or acting black. Acting right. black. No, 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 in their minds, because I wasn't like them, I, their, their right. hatred ran so thick yeah. that they had to hate someone. Right. And so ingrained that who we hate is black people. Yeah. So that I, to them represented mm. blackness, which was right. the most idiotic thing because mm. I'm obviously not, you know, yeah, like, yeah. So I've had some weird experiences with that, but like, so I was very fortunate. So what we do now is just trying to like figure out a way for us to play our part as a corporation, but our part as a, like my friends, but as a, as a group of white people, how do we play our part to return our country back to equality? Because it's never been equal. Hold on, yeah, you return back. To the, to, to the idea. Right. Like, cause like, cause I feel like- Was white the idea ever there for the it, country, for this country? I think it, it was there in principle, in writing, but it was never there, there in practice, where, and that's the problem. Where was it written? Because if you look at 
the Constitution, Declaration of Independence, African Americans weren't even seen as a whole man. So that no. was the very official from the beginning. Right. So that was the foundation. So, so it when you never, based on but when you back it out even further, so I'm a, I'm yeah. a big like fifty thousand foot guy, right? So That's I want to always look at yeah, yeah, so, macro view. Yeah, yeah. So from yeah. a macro standpoint, um, the people who penned the Declaration of Independence, specifically Thomas Jefferson, yeah. even though he was a slave owner, he tried to free his slaves several times, and the King of England told him he wasn't allowed to. That because the United States was an English colony, yeah. that slavery had to be instituted. There's actually documented letters where he's writing back and forth with Benjamin Franklin, and he's saying, you've got to give us 20 years. It's yeah. going to take 20 years. So they couldn't get independence to happen mm. without the caveats of, we're going to write this in this way. But his hope was always, that, right? Yeah, so... I disagree. I, I okay. agree with you saying Thomas Jefferson, and he was one man again. Right. One man can never be the control, even if he feels that yeah. type of way. Sure. It takes, really, it takes the country to feel that way, yeah. essentially. So I get what you're saying about Thomas Jefferson probably was a good man, but I don't feel like equality was ever and that's the basis of what's here in America. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can't I, gloss that. Yeah, I don't know, and, I'm, and yeah. I would never, like, like I, I don't have the experience. Yeah. I think that's one thing that, stupid that white people do all the time is that we hear you and we go yeah yeah but let me take that down a notch right like no it's your experience i don't have yeah. it i don't have it i can't speak on that because like, they're living it they're they're right. living it today yeah. yeah and it's never been equal i think we hold up this like idol of the american ideology that yeah. we were founded to be equal yeah because that's what we were told Declaration of independence yeah, yeah. Um, but we were told that so that we could feel less bad about our guilt in it right i like that yeah so so Coming off of that into kind of backtracking into where we were a little bit earlier when we talked about whether politics or whether it's a group of people that are going to change it. Let's talk about the, the police force. So I'm trying to address the things that everyone is super emotional about right now. Yeah. Uh, so there's obvious police brutality. Do we even have an option of voting in different people for for? We don't. We, you can't. You can vote in for your sheriff. You cannot vote in your police chief. Yeah. Right. So what what do we do with that? you guys have any thoughts as to, because this is something that you guys have to deal with, fear of, like you said earlier, you don't know if you're going to see your family again. Yeah. If so you get not, simples yeah. pulled over, you don't know if that's your last moment. Yeah, so I'm not a fan of, um, when they say defund the police, I'm more of a fan of explaining exactly what you mean by that. So um, we need police. If something happens to me, if something happens to my sister, my mom, my wife, sure. whatever it may be, I'm calling the police. I'm not calling the Ghostbusters for right. me. So we need police officers, period. Um, I think just like any good job or any good career, like a doctor, lawyer, whatever it may be, the training for those professions are super important. Like making sure that they're trained the right way so that when they step out in the field, there is no question. There is no like, uh, did we do enough and putting them through whatever it may be? So I feel like this starts with the training and whether it's sensitivity training, whether it's training on psychology, sociology, so they understand the society a little more, whatever it may be. like. Yeah, working on training. And again, I'm not the person that's going to tell you what the training needs to be exactly. But if there, if it only takes them six months to become a police officer or a year or whatever it may be, I don't believe that's long enough. It took me six months to become a personal trainer. You know what I mean? I feel like that job, a cop, is more important than like yeah. training. And that may be too macro, but that's just like my thought on that. And the filtering of who already is in the police. Because say I'm fresh into the police force and... I'm riding with my partner, and he's already ingraining all this neighborhood. There's always trouble. They're forming all these other opinions that I never had. And now 
I'm one month in hearing this on a daily basis about this neighborhood, that neighborhood, and yet, like, I drive through the neighborhood, people are waving, and everyone's experience is very different, and, like, I'm just going to, like, give you a wide, wide stance on this, but say AJ and I meet, you introduce us, and you're telling me all good things about AJ. His ex is a girl that I'm friends with, right. and she's telling me all this bad stuff. I'm going to be honest, that's two different opinions. Now I'm in the middle. Do you go with the bad stuff? A lot of people do. I want to figure out for myself and I'm going to give him the benefit of a doubt because I don't know what their relationship was and I don't know exactly what y'all's is, but I know we found common ground. But that's what police can also do. They can assert their own opinion and make it by being a part of that community. Mm. There's tons of strong, strong policemen in a lot of communities that I follow on Instagram because I love what they're doing. They're outside, they're talking, they're teaching. I had a police officer once a week in all our schools. I still, to this day, like one of my coaches was a police officer and he was amazing to me. I was like, I know he would say he would take a bullet, with a vest on, I'll take a bullet for him without a vest. But it's because I had certain ones and I can't just be like, police are bad. Because yeah. it's not. He made me a man. I can name four different officers that I had in my school system and they would check on my family. And like, I had a really interesting school system. So I grew up and like, he would ask every day if I had 10 cents because that's how much like my, my lunch was. Like I was on like, the low-income lunch. I didn't even live in the school system. I was the youngest of five. We changed our address every year to make sure I went to a better school. Doesn't mean my house was like messed up or anything. It was just like the education I knew I could get in this area wasn't as good as I could in these other areas. So, and that's just like the that's nice a whole other problem, right? Too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's just like the nice way to put yep. the truth. And that's like as salt and pepper as you can put it. But at the same time, like I knew my parents, they talked to me about putting us around people who could love us. And like five kids is a lot, especially when my parents are divorced. They weren't always there, but they put us in households that tutored us. They put us around like police officers. Like when I was little, I wanted to be a police. It wasn't until I started seeing all these um, ethical backgrounds that started coming up to the front foreground. And when that started happening, that's when like my whole dreams changed and then I fell back to the safe thing that black people fall mm, in. Yeah. I want to be an athlete. I quit one sport for another because more people came to the games. Like yeah. it was just little thing. It got yeah. me to college, but once I got to college, I didn't have this whole support system that I always had in my life. Like I, I got taken out of class. So I sat with the officer and guidance, made sure I did my college applications and little things like that. But once I got to college, like my goals kind of like dwindled. Like I was yeah. just like, I want a degree. That was about it. Everyone said, you have so much talent, you can go to the NFL. That wasn't my goal. My goal was to get a degree and be smart, educated and make for myself and my family and like give back to the community. And I just feel like, you know, if people aren't giving back to their community, then that's where they're doing something wrong. Like yeah. I, I really do. I went back a couple months ago and just talked to the inner city kids at my church mm-hmm. and shared my testimony how I thought I was going to be an athlete. And it's really crazy talking to like kids and seeing what they want to do. No one said a police. No one said a fireman. Right. 
I don't think anyone said anything other than that when I was in school, like when I was in kindergarten. Because what they show us, right? And it's like, what's yeah. cool on TV? And, and, so, like, yeah. and then I started talking about artists. Someone wanted to be rapper. Someone wanted NFL, NBA. That was pretty much the only three things. And my testament, I work in the music industry now. I get to work with like artists who just released one song. And I get to be around artists who are number one on the billboards. And so it's really cool to me to tell these people like, look, like either way you go, you're gonna have to get an education. And there's like, education is not just in the classroom, but you gotta be educated on the streets. You gotta be educated in your family, in school. And it's simple, like very simple things that like my driver's ed, he wasn't racist, but he definitely knew people were racist. And it didn't click. It took so long until I was in a experience where he like walked to my desk and he said, this sounds stupid, but I promise you when you park your car, put your hands on the steering wheel and do not leave it until the officer is right next to you. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, I haven't even drove a car and I've been searched and the other person who drove it was. Mm-hmm. And so it's just little things that like these people kept shining lights on and it didn't really click until those instances kept coming. Now I'm getting older. I'm starting to see this pattern. I'm starting to see why, like I wasn't sheltered, but they were educating me. And it's little educational moments that define someone's life. Yeah, a thousand percent. thousand percent. You've been very outspoken. And I love how outspoken you are about yeah. some of this stuff. Oh, yeah. It's, there's a, the media tends to show light on when you have the, the groups clash, whether you have cops and protesters or rioters, or whatever, there's obviously a difference in those two mm-hmm. in itself. What would you say to, I'm giving you the space to say, let's say you had a group of people who disagree with you, yeah. and what is a way that you would handle that or say that instead of the violence, instead of the at each other's throat, because you have to have the empathy in there somewhere, right? Yeah. Have you thought about that? Is there, you know, if we had you on the front line speaking yeah. for these, 200,000 people behind you. Right. What is something you would say? Yeah. I mean, I'm so outspoken about it, I think, because my uncle's a cop. He's a chief of police. I know a bunch of my friends are cops, state like really? state police officers, all of that. And I know where their, their heart and their intentions lie. But I also know that what we were talking about before, the system of becoming a police officer is the issue. It's not the people that are the police officers. It's the reason why the whole ACAB thing is going on and whatnot. It's not a people thing. What is that? I'm sorry. What is that? I'm sorry. All cops are bad or all cops are bastards, whatever you want to say. So that was like a movement that was happening like with the whole Black Lives Matter movement. There was a lot of like, and I don't want to point fingers, but there were a lot of like white people I saw that were just like, there's a girl that I know that she's got it like, all down her like arms on the sweatshirts and stuff. And I'm like, I had to kind of look into that to see what was going on with that and see where like that hatred was coming. And it's really, it's, it's not the people that are wearing the uniforms. It's the uniform itself. And it's trying to figure out how you can change that, the system of what that uniform means to you. That's, that that's going to like deescalate the situations. So I know that there are good human beings that become cops, but the actual system of that that breeds a police officer is is the issue. That's what Cisco was talking about. Exactly. If I was leading a group of two hundred thousand people 
Um, I think really I'll lead with peace for sure, but you got to kind of explain the system of, of becoming a police officer and why these things are happening. Kind of like what I said before, propaganda things that you see as a young kid and these police officers were kids at, at one point as well. And they see all this stuff and now they have a preconceived notion of what you are to them. And when they become that, then they get into that system and then they do the ride alongs when they're, you know, first in. And now you got these guys that have been in the system for 20 years. Now, everything you've seen, now you're being taught with real with real uh, examples. It's not just on TV anymore. Now it's like, oh, well, shoot. Now I really got to have my guard up. It's just a whole system of 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 negative energy directed towards the the underprivileged black communities uh, that you, you got to break that down at some point. And, and the only reason why the people are mad is because it's a reactionary thing to what's happening to us. Yeah. As well. yeah, it's it's, earned. it's it, We earned that ex- shit. Exactly. What we're saying and what I'm hearing you say is that cops are, are getting informed by us, right? right? So they go, they ride along and they're the cops. They're already biased. It starts they in middle school, school starts in high school. So young guys they see in high yeah, school yeah. that they weren't friends with, yeah. but they yeah. locking up ten years later. Yeah, you know. So, but that's but that but so I I don't agree that all cops are bad. I don't either. Right? Right. Nobody, right. No one, no, no one's in. No one is ever always or always. Yeah, right. right. No one is ever always or never. Right. So that's like the phrase. Like so, no one is always something because you always because there's room to change. I don't believe that all cops are bad. I've got good friends that are cops. I've got good friends that. You know, have ACAB on their sleeves, right? Yep. And and I've had a conversation with a cop. He's like, man, like like you've posted a lot of stuff like, in support of BLM. Like, why don't you haven't posted like any like Blue Lives Matter stuff? And I was like, because well, one, blue's not a life, right? Right. That's a uniform. You can yeah. take that off. They can't take their skin off. Right. Two, you have informed bias. You realize you're getting mad at them for doing to you what you've done to them. Right. Mm-hmm. They believe that all cops are bad because what they see. Is themselves getting mistreated in their communities. Yep. So they have informed bias. Yep. Your your informed bias has created a bias. Like this is cause and effect. You don't get to just be mad. Yep. That, That's that, exactly it. That yep. people are all against cops. Well, because cops for a long time in the communities that are in an uproar have been against the people. Yeah. And yep. and I have I have friends like man. You look at the statistics like. You know, whatever, like this, I'm so sick of that. I'm so sick of white people pointing to statistics. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how many people die. Like, like, look, I'm going to go get a traffic stop. I can get stopped a hundred times, one out of a hundred, something's going to go wrong because I'm going to have a bad day and I'm going to mouth off. I can mouth off a hundred other times and nothing ever happened. Right. It's not, it's not about how many people get killed at a traffic stop. It's about the fact that 99% of traffic stops are not professional. Yep. Right. It's yep. it's yep. the attitude you get treated with in the traffic stop and that builds that builds contentment. Right. Resentment. So, and resentment in the yep. community. So that when something lights the spark, you catch the blowback of all the resentment that you've built. Right. And there's not any empathy going to those like it, yeah. it becomes a standoff. Yep. And there's no empathy on the side of the people who are in control to say, look, man, we call we have to take ownership in the fact that we caused so much of this through bad policing. Not murders, bad policing yeah. caused resentment. The murder lit the spark, right, mm-hmm. and set all the set everything on fire. Yeah, but like I, I saw a guy talking the other day, and he was like, "Here's what I'm here's what I'm most shocked about: not the riots, not the looting. I'm shocked that they're just now doing it." Yeah, 
Because after 400 years of oppression and then Jim Crow law and then... Well, they're not just now doing it. There's been people fighting no, no, for years. The fact the that, reason that, that we're not always right. Well, the people... Yeah, yeah, well... Right. The reason why it's happening yeah, like this now and the reason why we're, everybody's writing consistently is because of social media. It's yeah. because yeah, that you everybody can see visible. it. Yeah. Everybody can go do the research on their own and now people are realizing like, holy shit. Well, you can't hide from it anymore. You just can't. Yeah. So well, it's going to so, keep the wave full circle. Right. No, no. Well, I was going to just add to that. Sometimes it's like, well, so-and-so, this black man was killed by whether it's white man or whatever. But now you have a camera who shows this thing. And I had this conversation with one of my yeah. white friends yeah. this morning. He was like, well, you know, this and this and this. Like, That's irrelevant. It's yeah. completely irrelevant. You, you saw a man die. Yeah. I don't care what he's That's done. Yeah. Let's say I'm high out there and, and a police officer kills me. Yep. Do I deserve to be killed because I was high one day or maybe another day? Or I don't care what crimes you've committed. That no. doesn't justify the killing. If you no. look at the Rodney King beat, no. right? Like he was beat in Los Angeles, streets of Los Angeles, and it was filmed. Yeah. Like it was on TV and people saw it. So yeah. it takes for us to yeah. see it. Sometimes we're visual. We need to see it. We can hear it all day and see it in hear the stats, whatever it may be, but once you show us, it's yeah, you, so, you, you, You're instant. Absolutely, and, you and that's why world. social media is great, yeah. because social yeah. media is now showing a lot more, it's giving us quick yeah. access to it and allow people to make decisions on their own. Social media is not controlled by Fox News, by CNN, by um, MSNBC. Social media is just the yeah, pure people. raw filter, so you're yeah. able to kind of create your own thoughts and, and people are real and have having the video shows the last 12 to 30 seconds of their life so it, it's so tough to argue yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. and, and then, people are yeah. still finding an argument yeah. for, which is that's my fury yeah I, I get when that's, they're helpless basically you're like how are you going to argue that you can you can have time back you really can but you can't have a life back and at exactly. the end of the day like I don't really care how or what's in their body, but if they're trying to get away from you or saying they can't, just like understand that. And that I think that's why everyone's so mad is because in these moments, like adrenaline's going, there's so much stuff going. Like pe- the p- police are scared for their life too, but their job is to protect and train. And they're trained. Like, why is someone on the ground for nine minutes and not in a car? Saying, I can't breathe and you right. don't move. And you got yeah. four people yeah. standing around. I've, I've, a citizen's arrest and someone gets shot. I've never even heard, like, other than citizen's arrest is calling someone, reporting it. And then, like, if you want to continue, but at the same time, if I felt like I was in danger to put a citizen's arrest on someone, I don't want to be close enough where they can touch me. Like, that's why I'm calling the police, and they can't get that far. Police are quick, man. I'm actually impressed how fast mm-hmm. patrol cars can get to you. So it's it's tough when we're seeing this and that happen online. And what's even more tough, and I don't want to get too emotional, but, like, I have a lot of friends who look every single way. But when I see a picture of someone who familiarizes to, like, say either me my brother my sister my dad my best friend and i consider all those my family but that hits 10 times more or the fact that like i have a friend who goes jogging every single day and it's actually at like nine at night and she runs through the worst areas in my head i'm like man you shouldn't be running that way like you shouldn't be doing this but like 
it was in broad daylight where someone's taking a, a couple mile run and getting killed. And that's the hard part because it's doing daily tasks that like we all do. It's like little things that I might get $20 and not realize it's counterfeit. I don't know the full story, but I do know that $20 isn't worth someone's life no. or being high or anything. And it wasn't like, that's the narrative is oh, always like, minutes. like he was high. He wasn't high toxicology report, like all the drugs in the system could have been prescribed. Like they, they start talking about, yeah. you know, methamphetamines and stuff like that. That could have been Adderall. Like, like, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying, yeah, right. I mean, it could have been over the like, counter drugs. Yeah, yeah, so like, and, and they've, they've already done like, they, they give out numbers. Nobody knows what a microgram is. Yeah. Like they just say, they say that shit to like stop the narrative that the cop did anything wrong. And here's the beauty of it. And I, I, was, I was talking to a friend of mine, um, a black pastor that's a friend of mine and, and I, he was like, I've got a rap sheet. Mm. Yeah. But, and everybody tells me, and, and I've got a white friend that like, I, I got him, I bailed him out of jail three years ago and made him live with me. And now he's like three years sober and what, and going to be a pastor. But, and he's a white dude and he's got a rap sheet. And he was like, man, my rap sheet is worse than his. Mm. Yeah. But if I have an interaction with the cops, I'm not worried about it. Nothing like that. Cause I'm white it is what it is. He said, but people always tell me like, you know, Tommy, this is his name's Tommy as well. He said, you know, people always tell me, Tommy, like, it's so great like your life's been redeemed all this stuff like you're, you still have value like your past doesn't matter so why do we bring up this dude's past yeah. like i think the beauty in it is that here's a guy who he wasn't a career criminal he had a rap sheet i got arrested a year and a half ago on a gun charge like because i accidentally forgot my handgun was in my bag and went to an airport mm -hmm. right so like you know people get Arrested for all kinds of things. Well, Santana had to do a year for that. Right, yeah. Oh, yeah. White privilege. I'm just playing. Yeah, yeah, hey. <laughs> hey. He just got out. No, hey. He tried to run out there. Did you run? No, I didn't. Oh, you ran. Did you no, come back, though? Yeah, I didn't, no, I didn't. I didn't run. I didn't run. I didn't run. But you better believe I called everybody I knew. You knew, yeah. And, yeah. I, and I'm really well connected with the city I live, man. I called the mayor. I yeah. called the former mayor. I called the DA. Like, I, I was trying to get out of county as quick as possible. Because yeah. I've never been in any trouble. It scared the crap out of me. Yeah. But here's the beauty. Is that this guy who had a rap sheet and the entire world is trying to make an excuse for why it's okay for him not to still be on this planet. Sparks maybe the thing that launches us into the real conversation that finally makes equality happen. Right. Like, I love that. I, I mean, personally, I love that. But the, that there's an entire society that looks down on a guy who's going to get credit for being the spark that starts equality. Absolutely. For Bro, sure. I think that's beautiful. Yeah. His daughter yeah. said it does. Your daddy yeah. changed the world. Yeah. Yeah. Daddy changed the world. When yeah. you were talking, you mentioned like black, white. And for some reason, my mind sticks to that. I've been hearing that a lot in the yeah. news, a lot of people, black, white, black. I feel like that's where it starts. Like these colors were created by who? Like yeah. black, white. And then it's like blacks get this, whites get this, blacks are this, whites are this. And really... Like we're all one people essentially, right. you know? Yeah. Like the only thing that's separating us is how close our original country was to the sun. And that's, and that's why we're dark. But I mean, sun, go ahead. No, I, I just think what needs to get broken down with, with colorism and things is the stigma that's around colorism. I want someone to know that I'm black. I'm proud to be black. Like I'm proud to be mixed. Like I love that. We have power in that. I don't want someone to be like, I don't see color. Like, no, no, no. It's the stigma around stigma. what you think about when you see color is the issue. Yeah. My aunt, my aunt and I got into a little thing. The other, she, I wish that we could just like, we don't see color. Oh, no, 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 no. That's the most ignorant thing I've ever heard in my entire life. Uh, it's so ignorant. Like, 
Trevor Noah said, so what do you do at a traffic stop then? What do you, what do, you do? If you don't see color, then how do you know whether to go or stop? Mm-hmm. Like, out of here. No, 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 no. It's the stigma that's been built around what, what you think of me when you see me or these two or see you or see him or anybody else. It's those stigmas that need to be broken down and Racist taken out of there. there. That's what it is. Killer Mike said it, said it 1,000 percent the best. I don't know if any of you guys saw it. There's yeah. a panel P. Diddy put together. Dude, that was the best. Killer Mike said it best. He said, why don't you guys stop fighting over who has the best master, Democrat, Republican, whatever yeah. it may be, and just go out there and, and study for yourself, learn for yourself, and be proud of what you said. Be proud that you're black. Mm-hmm. Be proud of who you are and, and you know build something off of that instead of trying to accommodate this master or this master or the stigmas that go with it or so on. And I'm yeah. sure I butchered that completely the way he said it, but I loved, dude, I loved what he said there. We're, we're going to have to wrap up, but I'd like to, to cover one thing yet. Like, so here we are today. There's five of us now. We, we know the issue and, and there's the protests and everything else. What is something you guys feel that I can do? Because I'm asking you guys, because you guys experience this stuff more so than me. What's a change that I can make with the resources that I have today? I'm not saying next year, wait till we get some different politician or some policy changes. What is something that I can do to make a difference? And I think sometimes we lose some of the older crowd. So let's start with the, the young kids, like what you were saying, get laptops in. And that may be one thing. But is there anything that you guys can advise me on with, whether it's money, resources that I have, that uh, whether I partner with you guys or I find someone to partner with to get me to the people that need the help and we start right now. I'll start with something that everyone has and that's just a simple voice and using your voice just to share with love, compassion and empathy. And I feel like that's something that we're starting to lose a little more as we're fighting because you don't have a fight without enduring something and like really valuing something like when it doesn't mean something like that comes to an argument or discussion but when you're saying like a fight you're really putting your body into it you're putting your mind into it you're actually like engaged into it so when we hear that we forget sometimes that we do look for peace and at the end of it that's what we want so we can't expect to have peace when we're not giving other people peace. Like we're not giving them the silence or we're listening. We're not sitting here and just like, we can't pound away at something and not hear their side. And that's what a lot of us are forgetting is like, at the end of the day, we want peace. We want justification. We want to move forward. But if we're not doing that, then how are they going to do it to us? And that's that's something that everyone has as a voice, but they also have ears. Some people need to talk. Some people need to listen. And I think that would be like my first step because that's what you can do anywhere at any time. Almost. I would say, obviously, like leading with love, always inviting people in and not shutting them out. Like we're all like crying for 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 our voices to be heard. But then. I, I don't want the narrative to be us crying for you to come over and hear from us and then you ringing the doorbell and then us slapping you in the face. Because if, if we're inviting you in, I want that, like he's saying, like love and compassion. Like I want to be able to educate you. I don't want you to, to show up. Finally, you're showing up. And then I'm going to be like, you know what? F you. Like mm-hmm. still F you. Like, yeah. no, no, no. Like 
bring the love back. We all want peace. We all want equality. We're not asking for help. We're asking for what we deserve and what, we, what we've always felt that we've deserved and what we've always known to be true, really. Um, but I guess for you personally, I would say empowering us, empowering the community. Like you, 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 have, you do have so many resources. You're a really smart dude and you do listen really well. I think it's having more of these conversations with us. Maybe we all create some sort of group or some sort of like, I don't know, coalition. I don't, I don't know what it is, but empowering us to be able to be out in the communities as well and um, kind of full circle, like they're going to listen. Those communities that we're talking about with the young kids, they're going to listen to guys like us a lot quicker because of what media and what, like I've said you know, propaganda stuff. They're going to look at us and be like, oh, like these guys made it out. Like what we were talking about before. Yeah. Empowering us to be able to go out into those communities and backing us. And, you know, we have a really good group of people together and, and doing that, whatever the case may be. But I think it's just empowering, using your voice, leading with love, like he said, and just finding a way for, for you to be a part of uh, just a part of the greater good along with us and not just doing it by yourself because it's going to go a lot longer, a lot further away with the black community. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Amen. Like no, that. I agree with with both of these guys right here. Um, for you, if if you want to help, I think just... Um, I want to help. Just yeah. let me know where. More like a micro way to help would be just starting when you have children or if you want children or if you have nephews nieces things like that starting with the generation under us um for me trying to convince slash when i say convince that's even i'm mad i have to say that but convincing the older generation to kind of change their mindset i'm not really focused on the older generation anymore you know yeah. what i mean i've made sure to put myself in a position okay. where i don't need the older generation for much anymore essentially so it's yeah. the younger generation that is going to come in and really create that new foundational change. Anybody older than 40, 45, it's like if you if your mind ain't changed, if you're not moving with integrity and thinking that this movement is is far overdue, then those people can go. And again, I've set myself up where I don't have to work for those people. I don't have to ask them for nothing financially. I'm not dependent on you. So I can speak my mind freely without anybody telling me what I can do, what I can't do. So yeah, helping that younger generation, man. Sparking that up, I think that's it. Anything you want to add, Tommy? No, nah, man. I don't have it. Like, honestly, I'm just honored to be, like, hearing, like, listening, yeah. right? Yeah. Well, but, yeah, I – look, if, if you start this computer program, no, I want we, you to know you when, can call me. Yeah, when, 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 when yeah. Not hits, bro. Yeah, Dude, not if, hits. if you need finances, well, if you need computers. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, let me know what I can do to help you get it launched. Uh, Y'all hear this? We launching this ASAP. Ephraim's <laughs> going to support it financially, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Feel like I missed something, but I'm down. Tommy's in. Tommy's in too. I'm in. Uh, I'm in too. Shoot. Look, guys, man. You know, uh, there's so much more that needs to be talked about. I, I don't know if we've even. I don't know if we've even gotten to the root of anything, but yeah, but it's a good start. It, a good start. It's a really it, good start. It, Great start. It's a start, and and it's a start. I learned something today. I learned something that I didn't know before, and and I want to understand everything there is to do, so that at the end of my lifespan, I can say, you know what, I may not have had to feel what you guys have felt in different times, but I've given it everything I could to change the narrative, to change the stigma mm-hmm. uh, from with what I'm capable of giving, and yeah. so that's part of my reason for doing this, and. 
and maybe we need to do it again until we get the change we want. Yeah, I, think, I think we continue the conversation. Yeah. Continue the conversation. I, mean, I love that idea. That's how you take it from a moment to a movement to a way of life. Yeah. Oh. Thanks again for tuning in to The Ultimate Shift. Look, I know life is crazy. Life gets busy. And we all kind of have an idea of where we want to go and where we want to end up. But there's so many things that come up in between. And my goal with this show is to grab one thing from every guest that we can apply to our lives that help get us closer to our end goal. You can follow me on Instagram at Ephraim Glick, Facebook at Ephraim Glick, Twitter at Glick Ephraim, or you can go to the website at EphraimGlick.com. See you next time.